Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Oval Roach.
All right, we are here after a glorious Thanksgiving vacation. We hope everybody enjoyed their vacation. Uh, to note the intro, we our intro was a little different today. We dropped the song after our typical intro for those of you who listen regularly. And as some of you longtime listeners may have known, uh, we have mentioned a dear friend of ours, Joe, who passed away around this time. The, the host would know exactly when, but around this time of year. And so when it gets to be this time of year, we do like to remember Joe by playing some songs that we can, uh, you know, have memories through. Some of his favorites. Some of his favorites. And so hence the, uh, the beginning of the show today, Hey Joe, uh, one of his favorites and a way for us to remember him while we enter the holiday season. Yep. Uh, welcome to Roadshow Recovery. 646-564-9909 is the number. Uh, it is hard to believe that this marks 10 years. Really? 10 years. Passed. It is unbelievable. Wow. That is, wow. It, it definitely does not, I don't know, for your experience will be different than mine because you were incredibly close to him, but it does not feel at all like 10 years no. to me. And he, his brother and I were talking about that a month or so ago as we knew this anniversary was approaching, and we were like, it doesn't seem like 10 years has passed. No. But, but it has been 10 years. Um, so we'll play a couple of his tunes throughout yeah. to uh, – good. Uh, uh, in his memory and honor him. Um, but today we're doing a show, which we'll get into after we do some of our other stuff, <laughs> yeah. uh, that we did the first time back in our very first year. It was mm-hmm. one of our first shows before mm-hmm. we flipped into the new year. Um, so we'll talk about that a little. But uh, That's I, got, right. I got some news. So let's hit our news Oh my good! You know what? And I don't. This is my for those of you listening out here. This has got to be my favorite sound clip, and I never get to play it. And so, as it would, as it would be, I didn't have it ready. But uh, right. I feel like a real anchor man when I <laughs> when I get to drop that sound bite. Hit us with the news. What is the news? Our last show was on Matt. Medication-assisted treatment. Correct. And one of the issues we were discussing was how the way they set it up with doctors having to take a training course and what have you to be eligible to prescribe, and then the fact that very few doctors wanted to do it anyway kind of put a crunch and limitations and barriers in place for people to participate. Who needed it, right. Right. No sooner than two days after that show did I receive an email. I'm on the SAMHSA mailing list. Yeah. That um, they have proposed a rule change. Uh oh. That would allow nurse practitioners, hmm. registered nurses, and I think LPNs, I'm not sure, but I uh, know nurse practitioners, registered nurses, okay. and possibly LPNs to be added to the List of the list of eligible professionals, professionals who can prescribe. I don't think it's LPNs then, but since it has to do with medications, prescribed medication. But um, I was like, wow, what t- what timing? You know, getting this email after we just did a show. Somebody on, was on, t- on that. <laughs> somebody dil- was tuning into the show on that dilemma. 
Um, so w- hopefully, and we'll see if it goes through. It's a proposed rule change. Okay. But you know how that works. Yes. Uh, maybe in uh, 2025. Let the politics begin. <laughs> It'll go into play. I think there's enough people supporting it. Um, and hopefully enough people in powers that be corridors that realize the right. ridiculousness of how the current limiting yeah. uh, the, the prescribers and not realizing once again, the need it's like they under, you know, they get that there's a need, but then put restrictions they on the need est- being they un- or they underestimate like, well, there's not that many addicts out there. Not that right. Many yeah. Right. Out there, right. You know, exactly. So. And what happens? They get flooded. Yes. Which is always what happens. It's like, oh, we didn't know there were that many out there. And, you know, and you may know this better than me because I don't have much experience, if any, in the realm of having to politic for anything in the position that you've been in. You've had to, you know, be be exposed to that and participate to that, in the, uh, I'm sure, in some extent. In the nonprofit world, world we use the word advocate. Advocate, yes. Um, but it's illegal to politic. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, with that said, um, do you do you believe it's easier for the reverse to take place, or, or does that have negative impacts too? I.e., instead of anticipating that there won't be that big of a need and therefore restricting, which leads to a flood, which then leads to, okay, we need to, we need to change this opening it up to a a, a huge number, maybe even more than what would be needed. And then having to pull back from there. I mean, what would be the, the negative or the drawback to the opposite of that? Because I don't understand why, why not just make it, more available than you believe it'll need to, and then tighten the strings from that point. What what would be the, why wouldn't they have done it that way? I guess is my question. Number one, they're politicians, right? <laughs> number two, I don't know where they, where, when I say they, that could be a number of different people, right? Sure. But where they get their information from. Okay. They sure ain't getting it from the street. Right, yeah, I right. consider us and other providers yeah, like us the street. Right. Um, to me, it's better to. I'll give you a perfect example of the thinking. In California, in this new paradigm of treatment that we're doing with the, with the residential model, they give you a maximum of two residential episodes in a twelve month period. Mm-hmm. Each episode mm-hmm. is ninety days. Right. Okay. They've then attached quirkiness to it that doesn't make sense to a reasonable person. For example, if you come into treatment for, th- for three days and leave, that's considered an episode. So if you then come back that's two your- days later, that's your second episode. Holy smokes. That's number one. I'm like, really? Come on. So, yeah, in theory. So, but just we've, we already – I'm saying to myself – you guys don't think we know how to get around that, but that's neither here nor there. Sure. We'll edit that out. <laughs> yes. Um, the other th- quirky thing they thought of was we said, well, since all of the empirical studies show that the longer a person is in treatment, the better the outcomes. Right. Instead of splitting up the two episodes, why don't you give one episode of six months instead, right? And they said, well, you know what we'll do? Let's look. Let's wait one year and see what the data shows. <laughs> I said, Really? You really need one year? 
We we got 25 years. We can tell you what's going to happen. So it's thinking like that um, by bureaucrats. Mm -hmm. Okay. No offense to bureaucrats, but it's that type of thinking, ivory tower thinking, rather than listening to what the street is telling you and the experience from the street is telling you that would be more beneficial to the outcome. And in the end, or is it, but in the end, isn't a positive outcome the goal? Right. Sometimes that's not the case, and that's a reality. I hate to say it. Yeah. Yeah, so I wonder... So, yes, you are, to me, on the side of providing more, yeah, op- opening up, and if then there comes a need to, you know, squeeze it a little bit, whittle it down, smooth out the edges a little bit based on experience, you do that. Right. But you don't, you know, start from a tight thing and then have to think, you know, oh, let's wait and see what happens and then, you know, have to then open right. it up. And what happens while you're doing that? People are dying. Mm-hmm. People that are in need don't get served. Right. Whereas if you have more than what you need, at least no one is not being served. What is the worst thing that may happen? And this is what drives a lot of the decision-making. Fraud. Yeah, fraud. They, they think that doctors are going to be fraudulent, believe it or not. Because it's not the clients. They, they can't self-prescribe. It's not, a doctor has to prescribe right, this sure. stuff to you. And so like with you know, methanon and, on, and other stuff, you know, they just think the doctors are going to be loosey goosey with the prescribing. You know, kind of like the uh, the medical marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> the marijuana right. Doctors. Yeah, you just had to find the right doctor, <laughs> the one that believed in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we heard all about that. So that was my news. Interesting. Okay, well, if we have to. <laughs> Did I uh did I mention I that I want to hear it give it to me give it to me <laughs> It's coming but but before before we get to what it is that you want me to drop and I already know what that is Did I mention that I'd like to look up the soundbite to the TNT for the the NBA one because I could get pleasure in dropping that every week cuz I got good news every week coming out of the NBA but this the NFL soundbite just doesn't excite me as much this time of year as it did back in August. How about them Cowboys? Let me hear that one more time. (laughs) Full volume. How about them Cowboys? (laughs) Oh, man. How about them? Oh, boy. Quite the ride for you, sir. Quite the ride for you. Yeah, right now they're rolling. No comment. Don't want to jinx it. But uh, they're entering the brutal, brutal stretch of the schedule. Yeah. And so are my Giants. And and I don't even want to discuss the New York Jets. Oh, hey, but you know, that kind of ties into the Niners because word on the street once again is if Kaepernick continues this doing, I, I don't even want to call it rena- a hot streak, but rena- a doing the, better streak. The renaissance. That, uh, yeah, that the Jets might, uh, might be interested in his services. I have two answers for that. Hell no <laughs> and hell no. <laughs> We will not be interested. Oh, man. But speaking of the brutal schedule, I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to point this out real quick. The NFL got credit in two regards this season, and I've heard credit being given 
ESPN, KMBR, a lot of media outlets, because the NFL and most leagues get bashed for the changes that they make because fans get used to how things are. But the two areas where they've been given glowing credit by all the media sources and fans are, A, pushing the extra point back mm-hmm. like they did because it's no longer a gimme. It, it's basically a gimme, but there's enough room for doubt at yeah. the game ending extra point or whatever. And the schedule making that they chose to, in the month of December, do as many interdivision games as possible, which was different from the past. It mm-hmm. was more randomized in the past. Mm-hmm. Because this leads to all those kind of like who's going to win that division and what it it makes for good football. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you don't want to jinx it, but I have to put you on the spot because there's not much to be said about a one and eleven football team. Uh, you have to now start looking around. You have to start looking around the league at the other nine and twos and eight and threes. And so we do have a team in the Bay Area that I don't even like to discuss, but the Oakland Raiders who. Uh, some people are saying Derek Carr is going to be the best quarterback in the league in, in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're nine and two. They they just came off a huge win. And, uh, and so what you got the boys, you got the Raiders and the, you know, the Patriots, you never count the Patriots out, but those are kind of like the, the heavy hitters right now. So if you were to look at yourself against the Raiders and, or the Patriots, how do you believe your boys stack up? Raiders are built a lot like the Cowboys. I'll throw that out there. Yeah. Great offenses with questionable defenses. Yeah, but the Raiders have one thing the Cowboys don't have. Let's hear it. Pass rusher. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, yeah. Unless something changes, um, their offense is going to have to do it for them. Sure. That's what everyone kind of believes about yeah. the Raiders, too. Because since they lost the players that they've lost that were kind of holding it together, even as an average defense, uh-huh. now they're slowly sinking right. back into the 20s. You know, yeah. Um, and yeah. it's the wrong time of the year to be going in that direction. True. So we'll True. see how it plays out. All right. Well, there you have it. I got nothing on the Niners. All right. Take it. <laughs> I'm done. Okay, good. Well, I, I, I say before we get on to the topic, just a brief mention of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Are you aware that if the season were to end today, <laughs> mind you, we, we just started, but your New York Knickerbockers are in the eight, the eight hole, the eight seed in the East. They'd be a playoff contender. They'd be facing LeBron James in the first round. Your thoughts? <laughs> they suckered me in. <laughs> At the first game of the season, which was televised on TNT, yeah. and I watched, and they got blown out of the garden. <laughs> and um, I have not watched them since. I'll start to get reinterested after the All-Star break. Okay. There you have it. All right. Beautiful. That's all I got in sports. So as I said earlier, we did do this topic um, a couple of years ago. That seems weird to say. It does. That we've been doing it for two years. Yeah. Um. But it's a real deal, um, triggers, and as I noted in our show description, you know, we choose to do this around this time, the holiday season. Of course. Um, that's not to say that triggers don't take place, uh, all, take, the time. Take place all the time, all year round, and for any reason, circumstance, or what have you. Sure. Um, but they're definitely more magnified. Uh, there's more opportunity and uh, things 
historically to arise that can bring triggers forth for people. So we choose this time of the year. Um, so first off, what is a trigger? And for those of you smart Alex out there, we're not talking about triggers <laughs> on guns. <laughs> right. Um, I once said, and I now have to pull that back publicly, I used to lazily define a trigger. Think of it as a noun, person, okay. place, or thing. <laughs> sure. Right? That's but a that, good way of putting it. Right. But I thought so at the time. But it now has to be expounded on or expanded on, so you just can't just flout say it's a noun because um, triggers can be emotions. Okay. They can be thoughts. Um, so it goes beyond a person, place, or thing. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. The the person, place, or thing might be the genesis, so to speak. Okay. Yeah, that okay. makes sense. Um, but what we always circle back to is not the person, not the place, not the thing. It's what do you encounter feeling wise, and then how do you cope or deal with the, deal with that? Yeah, because that's right. ultimately what's important. Yeah, what does that person or that place or that thing bring up for you? And then how and then you work from there? And how do you deal with that? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so I separate them out into two groups. You have people that are currently going through their in-treatment experience. Yep. And then you have people who are in their post-treatment or their 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 post-treatment recovery experience. Sure. Okay. I always thought that um, people who are in treatment and, and, and are going through the holiday time in treatment um, can experience both extremes. The negative extreme in that, you know, what, what do holidays bring up for most people? Mm-hmm. You know, time with family, um, religious celebration for some, whether it's Believe in Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever. Sure. Okay. Um, sometimes Ramadan happens to be around this time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so sometimes you get the trifecta or the quad fecta. The quad fecta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, of of the religious celebrations, the, the 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 you know you're mixing Thanksgiving with you know the family and all of those things, and it brings up memories and thoughts and emotions for people. And like I said, it can be on one extreme, which the memories aren't good or they aren't pleasing; they're not positive memories. Or it can be in the other extreme where there are positive memories and so on and so forth, and you miss those things and you long. For those things to return to those things mm-hmm. or return to that life where you experience those good feelings from those experiences. So, as a counselor in treatment, you have to be prepared for both sure. from a client or clients, plural, uh, because everyone comes from a different experience. <clears throat> However, in the safety and cocoon, of the treatment environment, mm-hmm. you the client has an advantage of de- of practicing of, of let me back up no of 
experiencing and then practicing dealing with those triggers. Okay. Whereas if you are in your post-treatment recovery experience, you have to rely on your tools, hopefully that you've packed. Packed and taken with you. Taken with you. Right. Um, And then more importantly, because a lot of people have packed, packed the tools, taken them with them. And then at times for odd reasons or reasons (laughs) unexplained, don't take them out to use them when they are needed, which serves no purpose. Why why take them with you if you're not going to use them? So if you're in the treatment environment, you get to – you have the luxury, I call it, of experiencing whatever the extreme is in the cocoon and safety of the treatment environment. Yeah. And we can then share with each other, you know, what we're going through, um, what the specific trigger is, you know, so for you, it might be, you know, what I would, what I used to experience this time of the year with my family, it was positive, it was loving, it was good. Mm -hmm. Or for, for me, it might've been, no, this time of the year was, was terrible for me. It had nothing but in bad connotations, bad memories, you know, my, you know, it was drinking and drugging and blah, 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 yeah, blah. Right. You know, there was, there was no, no air of positivity mixed in whatsoever. And a lot of us who were experienced this time of the year while we were in our addiction had, you know, family or extended family that weren't in, in the addictive life that still positive experiences this time of the year. Right. And we were kind of like on the periphery, you know, of that, Yeah, you know, we, we could touch it, see it, maybe even get into it a little bit, but we were in our addiction at the same time. So we didn't really fully enjoy or take advantage of the experience. Um, but then there were some people who the whole experience and the whole family dynamic, it was just terrible. And so their, their, their whole memory of that, especially this time of the year is just negative. There's nothing they can draw from, nothing they can point to. Yeah, no feel good. That they they can hang on. There's no string <laughs> to hang on to. Right. It's just all bad, bad, bad. And if that's the case, you, you just have to um, – if that's the reality, and I only believe in dealing with what the reality yeah, is. Yeah, you must cope. Then that's what we deal with. So <clears> – <throat> And one message that I try and send to those who fit in that boat is that you have the ability to, moving forward, once that's been dealt with and you've coped with that because it's nothing to minimize, you have the ability to remake the holidays for yourself. Mm -hmm. Begin with this year. Begin with next year and turn them into what it is. In order, see, I kind of say this in this ties into the whole cliche of ignorance is bliss in order for something to be bad um you have to know or compare it to something good and so if your memories of the holidays have been bad well that must mean that on some level you have the idea in your mind of of what a good holiday might be like whether you've seen it on tv or heard other people talk about it or whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. And so you have the ability to transform those those bad memories again, like we said, once it's been coped with, and remake the holidays for yourself into whatever it is you've always made it up to be in your mind, mm-hmm. how good it might possibly be. Mm-hmm. You you actually have 
a fresh canvas in that regard and can make it to be exactly what you want it to be. So on that theme, what we would, what we would ask a client when they've reached that point where they got the opportunity for the canvas is now blank is we say, okay, so what is your fantasy? What do you, you know, what do you fantasize about mm-hmm. that? The holidays specifically, let's just talk about the holidays. For sure. Would look like for you and feel like as an experience. Right. And then what would it take for that to then become your reality? And we need to hear back, you know, from them because we have to find out is their thinking process in line with bringing that forth. Yeah. Because if there's any doubt, if there's any negative reservation, if there's any holding on to the corner of the bag, okay, then it's not going to happen. No. That's a cold, hard truth, a cold, hard reality. So we're, we're live streaming today into our facilities, today's program. So for those that are listening, um, sometimes the experience for some upon realizing when, when, when the reality hits them. So let's say uh, – November 1st comes. Sure, yeah. The holiday season is upon us. Halloween is over. And you're like, wow, I'm actually going to be in treatment for Thanksgiving. Yep, yep. Most likely Christmas and New Year's, et cetera. So the reality has finally, you know, has hit you. And what is that going to be like? And, you know, for any client that I get an opportunity to tell, the most enjoyable, not my home holiday experience was wonderful. Sure. Growing okay. Up. Yeah. Okay. Um, take out the period of time where I was in the life, of course. Right. Okay. Right. It's never enjoyable. I don't care how good of a time you think you're having. Okay? Yeah. In yeah. hindsight, it wasn't. But, um, but I absolutely, thoroughly, thoroughly, fondly enjoyed being in treatment during the holiday season because okay. of what? Number one, the people that were around me mm-hmm. and how we enjoyed each other. Okay. That camaraderie, that peer support, sure. so on and so forth. And we kind of made our own little, I mean, even though, yeah, we were in our, in reality, we, we were in our own little worlds. Right. Okay. Right. But we kind of made it our own little worlds because that's what our reality was. And it's a very fond, fond memory of that time. And I always tell people, I said, I had the best time, the best birthday, the best Thanksgiving. And this is not, again, this is not comparing and uh, um, comparing with others. I'm just saying yeah, you're speaking about your experience. When you think about being in drug treatment and going through, you know, having your birthday and Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and Easter, you don't envision in your mind the experience being pleasant because you, if your experience has been that those times are celebrated with friends and family, okay, and so you're going to be in the right. treatment program. But wait a second. If you have sunk yourself into the environment, and have made friends and have become a part of the family, mm-hmm. okay, that experience is a little bit different. And so you don't kind of long for 
out there, okay, you kind of this is you focus on yeah you've made this that you, moment just the moment you. right exactly mm-hmm. and um I would have never I would never trade it they it, those people my peers and the other people in the house including staff, staff etc sure, yeah. made that experience what it what was. it was yeah so and and I'll just. I'll throw this out there because this is your experience and your recounting mm-hmm. of it. But from me listening to what you're saying, you made it. So mm-hmm. a lot of that had to do with you mm-hmm. and the way you, you approached it, your mindset toward this being what it is going to be this year. And so, and I say that to say that anybody mm-hmm. out there who is in a similar situation has the ability to, make that moment whatever it's going to be for them, mm-hmm. good, bad, ugly, indifferent. And so if you attack it with the mindset that you went into it with, that, you know what, I have established friendships here. I have established, you know, bonds with people mm-hmm. and become a part of this family for this moment. And as a result of that, it feels good to mm-hmm. spend time with the people that I'm spending time with at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um that can be anyone's reality should they choose to approach the situation through those lenses, mm-hmm. so to speak, um, because it can be just as bad as you want to make it as well. This sucks because of A, B, and C, and you know what? It's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also important to note that triggers are not all negative. Very true. Case in point. We started out our show today with a little, little bit of remembrance mm-hmm. for our dear friend Joe Williams, which was triggered by the anniversary date of his passing, right. which is November 30th. That's tomorrow. Even though the coroner says December 2nd, we don't care. We know the actual date. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, now, some might say, well, hey, that seems like a you know, negative experience, someone passing away, you know, a dear friend, so on and so forth. Sure. And we don't look at it that way or don't approach it that way or it doesn't uh, – that's not the experience we have of it. Right. Um, and, be- and so because of that, the remembrance is positive, you know what I mean? And so even though there's a trigger – Triggers aren't all all negative. I think it's important to throw that out there because a lot of times when we when we talk about triggers, we kind of do focus on triggers that may have negative results or cause a person to make bad decisions and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, but there can be triggers that bring positive feelings and warm feelings and fond Absolutely. memories, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't mean that you have to go out and get high behind those two because people yeah. get high because for good, bad, or ugly. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Sometimes those triggers that remind you of warm, good, happy times can lead people to that hey, feeling of wanting to use. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So you, a lot of this, and we've touched on this in other shows, but a lot of this you know, is coped with and has to be dealt with by being very self-aware. Mm-hmm. You know, be, being aware of 
both the triggers that maybe don't bring about such good feelings, the triggers that do bring about such good feelings. But like you said at the beginning of the show, not so much the person, the place, or the thing, or the trigger in and of itself, because like you said, it could be bad or good. Mm -hmm. But what that good or bad trigger feeling brings about for you. Does this thing that makes me feel happy want to go get high versus Mm -hmm. not and you have to look at it at the other end of the spectrum and then really identify, okay, so if this bad trigger or this good trigger makes me feel X type of way, Mm -hmm. what does then that do for me or make me want to do and and how can I cope with that if it's something that's not healthy or productive? So getting back to those that are experience the holiday season in in the treatment environment <clears throat> one of the things that I would advise for them to consider and consider thinking about consider focusing on so Thanksgiving just passed right mm-hmm. and word on the streets is that people in the treatment environment had a wondrous time that's very true um and part of that is like i said earlier it really is focusing on the present um talking a little bit about the your, your, the dreams for the future like what's you know what do i envision my next year's thanksgiving to be because you sure aren't going to be here right um Sharing experiences of previous Thanksgivings, even if there's a little bit of bad in there, but airing that out mm-hmm. a little bit and getting some feedback on that, listening to other people's experiences and getting some good feelings from that or offering them some feedback and support from their experiences if they if they weren't so positive. Move through each you know, kind of holiday, it's that same process. Yeah, that you in, you know, that you use, which is the peer group coming together and supporting each other, and um, sharing with each other what it means to them, and so on and so forth. And before you know it, before you know it, we're celebrating Martin Luther King Monday. <laughs> <laughs> right? Very, very true. Flies by. The holidays have passed, and. We're in 2017. Very true. So another word on the street is that I was personally uh, sent a message by a certain individual wishing me the smallest and driest of turkey legs at my Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) We we won't disclose who that individual was wishing negative uh, Thanksgiving meal wishes upon me, but... (laughs) Uh, that also did take place. <laughs> How was your Thanksgiving, by the way? The way it always is. Nice and quiet. And a whole lot of football. And I eat very light on Thanksgiving. Okay. What's your... I do, in, I do indulge the day after. Okay. But I eat light on Thanksgiving. What is... Uh... And we didn't have turkey. Uh, okay. Well, I was going to ask what your favorite and that's Thanksgiving ha- dish is. That's a... That right there, hear me out. Uh huh. As an American, I did not eat turkey on Thanksgiving because that was a negotiated thing with the British monarchy 
okay. that exist in the household who knows nothing and cares nothing <laughs> about this grand American tradition of okay. Thanksgiving. Okay. And who reserves their turkey eating for Christmas and or New Year's. Huh. So we said, well, I said, I'm not eating turkey on both days. I'll tell you that right now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of them's got to give. So I. So the when, protein at the household I negotiated was? the turkey, I mean the chicken for Thanksgiving and the turkey for Christmas or New Year's. Her choice. Okay. To choose whichever day. Okay. Uh, now, a lot of people will say, and I bring this up because I heard it on the radio recently, really Thanksgiving and or Christmas is more about the side dishes than the than the center of the table bird. Your favorite side dish um, for the Thanksgiving meal you enjoy with your family? The mac and cheese. Oh, beautiful. Well said. Yeah, the mac and cheese for me. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, they, they, they actually surveyed... The radio show I was listening to surveyed the country and then broke down by huge geographical locations mm-hmm. what the favorite side dish was in that area of the country. This radio station I was listening to, they, they were interviewing Ronnie Lott mm-hmm. um, and then asked him his favorite, of course. But anyway, uh, it, kind of a funny answer that came to be. But the Northeast, Maine, the whole Northeast, that area was actually like sweet potato, something right. to do with sweet potato, sweet potato pie, sweet right. potato. Uh, the Deep South, mac and cheese, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. Uh, the Midwest was like biscuits and croissants, like the bread, the, mm. the biscuits and the croissants. And then um, the Southwest was green bean casserole. Mm-hmm. And then and I said, this makes me proud to live in the Bay Area and, and be from California and I'm being sarcastic in this, but the West Coast... Gluten-free what? <laughs> you're so right on. The, the favorite side for the West Coast was quote-unquote salad. That was it. I said, you've got to be... Out of all the sides, the stuffing, the mac and cheese, the mashed potato, salad is what the majority of people on the West Coast said their favorite Thanksgiving dish was. Yeah, Wait. might as well. Gluten-free kale, quinoa, the whole... Gluten-free croutons. <laughs> right? The whole works. And Ronnie Lotz was uh, collard greens with mm-hmm. ham hocks or something like that. But glad to hear you say mac and cheese. But I was not proud to be from the West Coast when that was revealed. I, I can tell no, you that. No, there was no... Uh, <clears throat> and my mother would not have approved of this, so hopefully she's not listening today. But uh, there was no salad to be found. And we did have a green. We had a uh, cabbage. But uh, no... It was yeah. there was yeah. never a meal made by my mother that did not include a garden salad seven days a week. Okay. Well that's I mean that's and good. I think that's a Jamaican thing and what have you, but who knows? Sure, yeah. And I've actually been to the local Jamaican restaurant and you've told me it's quite authentic to get salad in this way, but mm. salad always comes with my meal with no dressing. Yeah. You guys don't eat yeah, we salad dressing. No, we Just, eat salad dressing. It's not all. even a salad, it's veggies tossed together. Well, we, that's a Jamaican insult, but uh, <laughs> I'll make sure the embassy gets word of that. We might get an official letter. Oh, yeah. Um, to the folks that are in the on the post-treatment recovery realm that experience triggers, they don't have the luxury of the cocoon 
and the safety of the treatment environment to assist them through this period. Sure. And there's one feeling that some people experience, experience it in both, by the way, not just reserved for those who are, you know, out and out, out and about and enjoying their recovery. But there's one feeling that is prevalent throughout this holiday season, more so than any other time of the year, probably, um, but is rarely verbalized in its loneliness. Hmm. Yeah, that's and a big one. I don't mean loneliness that you're by yourself because I could be all by myself and not and be completely and content. Be completely content. Okay. Sure. I'm talking about you can be in a room full of people and still feel lonely. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> and that is not something that's often articulated or verbalized by people for whatever reason. Um, but it, but it is one of those deep seated feelings that really are that are hard for people to you know bring forth. I'm not sure why. I don't think, and you can help me think about this, but I can't think of it that there's a stigma attached to talking about, you know, feeling lonely. Because when a client in the past has verbalized to me that they feel lonely, I always follow it up with, what are you lonely for? Meaning like, are you lonely for your spouse? Are you lonely for your children? Are you, you know, what are you lonely for? Let's dig a little deeper into where the loneliness is rooted. Right. Okay. Because there's always a root. Um, but that's one that I think kind of slides under the radar oftentimes and is unspoken and um, not dealt with. And next thing you know, you're in Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> And it just keeps cycling around, and the loneliness never the the root of the loneliness never gets brought forth and dealt with. Right. So this time of the year kind of triggers that 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 feeling. Um, but moving back to people who are outside, they don't, like I said, they don't have the luxury of 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 just people being around them. So you have to actually actualize and activate your tools. To help you through this period, if you're going through something, whatever sure. it may be, sure, um, and whatever whatever may be um, being triggered. So people always say, "Well, is it more beneficial if I have a large support system?" It doesn't matter. You can have one person. You can have thirty people. Yeah, doesn't matter if you don't activate it or actualize it. It matters not. And so that's what we're charged with as those who are outside in the realm of recovery, that we got to put it into action in order to get that coping mechanism jump started. Mm -hmm. Whether it be a phone call, <clears throat> whether it be arranging a visit, whether it be whatever, I don't care. What we don't want, of course, is sitting in it. I equate that to without knowing a, an individual person's history or background, I equate if, you're, if you choose, and it's a choice, if you choose to sit in it 
because you can always pick up the phone. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, meaning just like you said, it's a choice. Right. It's a choice. Then that's like activating a negative reservation. Yeah. Because this is behavior then that that has that has happened before that you are now duplicating. And where is that behavior going to ultimately lead? That's a rhetorical question, of course. So we who are, you know, living our lives and out there, whether you're early in your recovery realm or in your diamond years or golden <laughs> years of your recovery, um, you know, we're, we're charged with that responsibility of using the tools that we, that we were taught, whatever they may be, for whatever triggers that may come about. Yeah. And I think your position in the world, what do I mean by that? Within your nuclear family, that means your your immediate family, right? Brothers and sisters, and mom and pa. That's right. And then your extended family of relatives, blood relatives, and then the larger extended family of your close friends. Okay? You fit somewhere in there. So when I say wherever you fit in this paradigm kind of helps dictate how you navigate this on the outside. And so I'll use myself as an example again. So I'm a brother, a son, an uncle, a father, and a husband. Did I leave anything out? Grandson, perhaps? No, I have no living grandparents. Okay. So, I think I covered everything. Yeah, great grandpa. No, I'm not a great grandpa. <laughs> what are you trying to? No. <laughs> um, great, great. No, not yet. No, no. <clears throat> so that's that's my position. And so, my first and foremost responsibility is obviously as a husband and as a father. Sure. Right? So okay. Being there for my children, being there for my wife. And then likewise, my children are now grown, so them being there for, for me and sure. us being there for each other, Sure, right? It's give and take, so on and so forth. Um, especially since we're isolated, quote unquote, mm-hmm. from the rest of the family. So we're, we're here all the way on the one side of the continent, and both sides of the family are on the other side of the continent, eastern seaboard. And then, of course, across the pond. Yes. Right? So we're either 4,000 miles away or 8,000 miles away. But how fortunate we are in today's world that you're only a Facebook post away. Oh, that's right. Or a text message away. Good old or, technology. Or a phone call away from, you know. Anyone. Anyone. That's right. That's why I say there's no excuse. There's no excuse. If I'm missing mom, I pick up the phone. That's right. If you're missing dad, you pick up the phone. You pick up the phone today in today's world, right? That's right. So the benefits of technology makes it easier sometimes to deal with triggers that come about. Because mm-hmm. I think the primary thing for dealing with the trigger is another human being supporting you through it. Absolutely. Your social network Social network, support network, 
You can't rely on your sports teams anymore. <laughs> those might be uh, to, get, to, to get you through it. Right, uh, those might be the source of the trigger. At least my team won, so I could, you know, I didn't have a good Thanksgiving, but at least my team won. <laughs> right, right. No, those are, those days are, you know, you can't rely on that anymore. Very true. Reaching out to people, I think, is the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing, and I mean, this goes beyond opinion that can be debated this is there's research showing and proving that that we are very truly to our core social beings mm-hmm. and need that social interaction and mm-hmm. that and that support and that peer group to to fully function mm-hmm. and function the way that any of us would want to function and without that there's a huge suffering that takes place and so even if it's one individual, two individuals, you don't need to have all the friends in the world, but you have some very close people to you in your life that you know you can lean on just as well as you know you'd be there for them in a heartbeat, and you use that to your advantage, that's what helps get you through it. You know, there's a lot of elders out there that say if you have a lot of friends, you have none. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> that's right. Well, the the saying the old adage is true in the NFL, right? If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Right. <laughs> so very true. I have one friend, a very close friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, in terms of my adult development as a male, as a man, etc. Um, and he's number two behind Joe, because Joe and I grew up together from age seven. Sure. Um. He and I started hanging when I was 18, turning 19. Okay. And he's 10 years older than me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he lives back in Jamaica, Queens. And we might talk. I mean, now we can text, obviously. But sure. in terms of talking on the phone, because every time we talk on the phone, it's two hours. Yeah. Okay. Maybe once every three months, so four times a year. Yeah. And it's the old adage. is like so every time. It's like we never... It's like we've been talking yeah, for yeah. the last seven days. Like know? he's your next door neighbor. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's not an, a needy relationship. I don't know if it's just a man, a, a male thing or whatever, but we don't need to, you know, be. And he'll send me random texts like, it's four degrees <laughs> with the wind chill factor. <laughs> right. And I'll send him a picture of the sun. That's funny. <laughs> in Northern California. Um, but. He did need me very recently, hmm. about a month ago, okay. for something that occurred in his life that we knew was going to happen. We were, it was just a waiting game. Okay, We didn't know when, but we knew it was going to take place. And he needed to talk to someone who didn't want anything from him in return. Okay. And... He said the first person he thought of was me, and that made me feel good as a friend. Sure. That, you know, there's no ulterior motive or anything like that, and, and that's what I expect. And we've been friends now going on 30 years. It's 30 years? Yeah, 30 years. Right. Um, but, you know, he came into some queefment. Let's call it. Oh, okay, yes. From a, from a fantastic uh, from vocabulary. A, from a family member. Yeah. And, uh, the advice that he was given was you because it was very overwhelming for him. Uh-huh. Okay, 
because of the uh, extent of the bequeathment. Sure, sure. And uh, the advice he was given was you need to talk to someone who, A, has no ulterior motives and, has, and doesn't want anything from you. Right. Okay, to help, help you through this overwhelming feeling that you have of this dramatic change in your life situation. Sure. On a monetary side. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I felt good that he thought of me as that person. Um, and of course, at the end of the phone call, I said, yo, don't forget about hooking me up. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, perfectly I kid, I kid, I kid. Of no. course, I didn't say that. Um, but <clears throat> triggers, person, places, or things. It's interesting. It could be, it could be anything. Yeah. It could be anything. Of course, in our world, in the recovery world, we we kind of limit it to just the things that we are aware of in the recovery realm. But, you know, people that are just living their lives have things that trigger them, good, bad, or ugly. And they have to have some means. And I think you hit the nail on the head. When you dig down, when you when you really whittle everything away and get down to the nitty-gritty, it all comes, always circles back to another human being, being at the Right, core of helping you through whatever the experience is behind what has triggered you. Absolutely. And now there's no excuse. Absolutely. Because the first question out of my mind, out of my mouth, will be, "Why didn't you call somebody?" Sure. Pick up a phone. Everybody has a cell phone today, so you're left basically with no reason why you cannot communicate with someone if right. you're going through something. Unless you consciously choose to yeah, with, not withdraw that. Mm-hmm. from that support. Mm-hmm. And then that's a different dynamic, which we can't do anything about. Right. Absolutely. We can't put you in a headlock. Can't make you do it. <clears throat> anything else? Oh, I think uh, I think that just about covers it. It's good to – and you mentioned this at the beginning of the show – I have to laugh. I'm sorry. I, I have to laugh because over the years, residents have said, you know, we spend time talking to them and blah, blah, blah. And then we, we kind of end up with, you know, ultimately in the end, you just got to talk about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. And they're like, it can't be that simple. But yeah, in the end, it, when you really knock away all the fluff and everything, it, it, it's not rocket science. It really is that simple. Right. Okay. We're not saying – I think some people conflate or confuse that you're trying to change what has occurred when that's not possible. You can't change something that has happened. We're trying to say you can have a, you can gain a different perspective, a new perspective, change mm-hmm. how you feel about what has transpired, but you can't change what has happened. Sure. You know what I mean? And I think once people get that, hey, I, can't, I can, cannot change what has happened – I know I'm going to, I may experience triggers behind it, but if I can figure out how to cope yep. with it, then I can live through the experience and not lunge for the Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and what I wanted to point out too, as you pointed out at the beginning of the show, that this is something that we have done in the past, but as long as we keep our radio show going, this will be something that we'll hit every year. Because even if this is the year that anyone out there chooses to identify 
the triggers that happen around the holidays and cope and learn to move through, move forward appropriately and healthily. That's not to say that every year you might not start to feel it a little bit Mm -hmm. again and again and again. And so just as we might touch on this around this time every year, this might come up for people around this time every year. And it's important to um, understand that, you know, just because you're feeling something again, doesn't mean, you know, we can't just repeat the process to keep, keep going in the right direction. All right. I see we're at the top of the hour. We are. So do you want to give any kind of uh, preface to the song we're about to play? Or we, we, we told people um, we're going to play some of Joe's faves. It's just, yeah, it's just one of his favorites, this one right here. Uh, but on the, on the backside, when we come back, I may or may not tell a Joe story. Okay. All right. That, keep, you, keep you in your seats. Stay, stay tuned. We might have a story coming up. We will catch you all on the other side. Do you see we have a couple callers on hold that want to participate in the Recovery Sports Time segment? Uh, thank you for being patient. We hope you've enjoyed the show to this point, and we will get to you very shortly.
coming up next is OCG Radio's Recovery Support Time, where our hosts provide support and guidance for your recovery-related questions and issues. Recovery Support Time, where it's our time to help you. Can I make a wager right now that somehow sports are going to be involved with this story? No, no sports. All right, all right. This has to do with karma. Okay. (laughs) So um, a friend of his in his building had a young lady visiting, a a relative young lady visiting from Los Angeles. Okay. That Joe took a fancy to. All right. And so he and I... We were both adventurers, and both of our mothers knew this. Hatched a plan to go to L.A. to see the ladies. All right. Okay. <clears throat> now, I have to reemphasize, this is circa summer of 1982, okay? We flim-flammed some airline tickets. So I'm All not right. going to get into details, <laughs> okay? Um, okay. And... Did you have a seat? On yes, the side? yes, 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 <laughs> right, yes. Right. TWA, they're no longer in existence. Nothing they can do to us. Um, this was back in the days of the $99 airfares from, okay. from JFK to LAX, Los, New York to Los Angeles. But we didn't pay. We, we flim-flammed them. And we didn't know that our flim-flam was, going to, was actually going to work because when we got to the ticket counter, we were late. The flight was boarding, and we handed the lady our ticket. And you know that when they stand there in their t- 
typing madly away and blah, 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 blah. And, and she's standing there for about five minutes typing and looking up, making a face, and then typing feverishly again. And he and I are eyeing each other, and we're like, oh, we're, 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 we're done for. We're, we're done. The jig is up. The jig is up. <laughs> then all of a sudden, I hear that magic sound. <laughs> the boarding pass is printing. Yes. So we got him. So we make it onto the plane, smooth ride to uh, LAX. And we are met at the airport by the lady, the young lady that he fancies and her friend. Okay. And we were picked up. Now, at the time in 1982, I was probably six, two and a half, coming up on six, three, still growing, right? Joe's five, nine, five, ten. They picked us up in the smallest car I have ever seen in my life. Now, we're traveling, each of us, with, a, with luggage, one on one bag, decent-sized, you know, luggage at that time, and a two-seater. So right off the bat, I'm pissed off. <clears throat> but needless to say, the three or four days, I don't remember how long we stayed, did not go very well or go as planned. Um, we didn't get to spend that much time as we thought with... The young ladies, which was the whole purpose of us going. But we did see the uh, Chevrolet plant in Van Nuys, California, which was nice to see as we were walking down Van Nuys Boulevard. <clears throat> and there was a nice like 65 Impala out front and in, in a glass enclosure. Um, so basically the trip was a waste other than that. And we weren't too pleased about it. So he didn't get to spend hardly any time with, with the girl that he was going out there to see. She kind of flim-flammed us. Okay. Um, I didn't have a good time. I didn't meet anyone, so I got flim-flammed. Um, but there were, was one interesting moment. We were walking across a park field somewhere. And as we were walking, so picture yourself in a park and, you know, there's benches and there's people hanging out in the park and whatever. And you're like walking across, like, let's say it was a softball field or a baseball field. And people are just sitting down, chilling on their on their blankets or whatever. And we're just walking through, stepping, because <clears throat> we're on a mission uh, to score a little something. And as we're walking by, a dude stops us and says, excuse me. You dudes ain't from around here, are you? And I said, no, why? He says, because y'all, y'all don't look like y'all from around here. And I said, well, where do we look like we're from? He says, y'all look like y'all from New York. I said, that is where we're from. <laughs> <laughs> he knew it right off the bat, huh? I said, ain't that something? We didn't know what it was that gave us away, if it was the way we were walking. You know, we were just walking with purpose, with meaning, with definition. I don't know what it was. <laughs> But we went, took care of our business, came back, and on our, you know, next to last day there, you know, still nothing worked out for us in terms of hanging with the ladies. And so we pretty much said, okay, that was a wasted trip. Uh, I guess flying on the airplane was fun. Um, Trashed the hotel room, which I'm not happy to state on the airwaves, okay? Um Ended up having to walk four miles to the nearest bus stop 
that would because we had no money. Wow. That would take us to the nearest bus stop to the bus that would then take us by bus back to LAX. Okay. Because the girls that we thought were going to be hanging with us weren't giving us a ride and were nowhere to be found. So of course we learned a, a valuable lesson, right? That's right. <clears throat> didn't I mean it cost us just a little bit of money, but it didn't cost us any air tickets. But that wasn't the end because now we had to fly home. And you know how much I love flying. Yes, I do. You know how much it's a hobby of mine and the whole nine yards. Indeed. One of the worst flights I've ever been on. Oh, oh man, really? Flying back. We flew back on an old L-1011. Go look it up. Google it one day. And, of course, we're sitting in the back. The plane was 50% full, right? A lot of empty seats. Okay. This is a wide-body, two-aisle jet. And all of a sudden, a gentleman comes to the back. He's dressed in the Orthodox Jew black garb and the hat and everything. Okay. And he starts praying loudly in the back by the rear bathroom. Oh, wow. You know, and praying and bowing and, and, you know, you know, half, half, you know, the half bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And praying and loudly where you can hear it. I mean, you know, we're not all the way in the back. You know, we're like midway. Right. Right. And we're looking and we're like, what the... You know what's, what the hell's going on here? I mean, like this guy's putting the whammy on this damn flight, right? So he's done with that. We finally take off, and you know, smooth flight until we get around the New York area. And next thing you know, oh, it man. starts rocking and rolling. No, rocking and rolling, and and you know, of course, you know, we're just sitting there, and you know. Not you know knowing what the hell's going on, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's still light out landing because you know it was in the summer. And look, I had the window seat. I couldn't orient myself to where we were, even though I knew we were over Jamaica Bay, but I didn't know were we closer to Brooklyn or Far Rockaway. I, I couldn't tell. Sure. Okay. But as we were getting lower and lower and coming into land, I knew we had clearance to land because we were getting we were coming over. I, the homes, right? And I still, again, I didn't know if we were coming over Canarsie or Rosedale. I couldn't tell. Okay. Canarsie's in Brooklyn, Rosedale's in Queens. They approach from either end. But um, this thing is rocking and rolling all the way down, and boom, I mean, slams onto the tarmac. Slams oh, wow. onto the tarmac. I just look over at Joe because we had the whole, the whole plane in the back to ourselves so he's all the way on one side of the plane I just look over to him mm-hmm. shake our heads and never again lesson learned right <laughs> never again that was about the last time we ever did anything involving a flim flam there you go you know good right? so but that was an adventure and that was that was how we were in terms of you know and, and the funny thing so I was 17 he was 18 at the time and all we said to uh, when we were leaving the house for the airport, we were leaving. We left from his house, and his mm-hmm. mother, who was like a second mother to me, now they were Catholics. She threw some uh, what is it? The the, the water, the um, uh, holy water, holy water. Yeah, on me. You know, I was, well, she, she kissed me <laughs> on the cheek, hugged me, and threw some holy water on me as I was walking out the door. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Um, but our mothers must have intuitively knew something about us because that wasn't the only wild and crazy adventurous thing that we did during that from 1980 to 1982. We just did some crazy traveling related stuff. And um, they were like, 
you know, you think most mothers would say, where are you going? Where'd you get the money? You know, and yeah. if you're flying where and who do you know in LA, you know, stuff like I would do, you know, like now, right? Yeah, sure. And it was none of that. Huh. When are you going to be back? You know, <laughs> you know, almost like they knew life is about to and they do knew what like, it needs to do. I think they knew we were going to do it anyway. Okay. And so it was sure. more about, you know, who's going, me and Joe, when, when you come, when you're leaving, when you're coming back. I don't think my father, she ever told my father, huh. you know yeah. what I mean? Because I'm sure he would have had something to say. Sure. You know, like the first question would have been, where, where are you getting the money from? Okay. Right, right. I never heard a word from him, so I know she didn't tell him. So <clears throat> that's my Joe story. It's a good story right there. Uh, it can, It's like borderline Hollywood script. I mean, we could, there are plenty of uh, chunks to a potential yeah, movie right especially there. Especially getting stood up by the ladies. Right. The whole purpose of the trip was to enjoy the young ladies, I mean, and they stood us up. Everything you went through. We traveled 3,600 miles, and they <laughs> right? stood us up. Oh man! And then the brutal, the brutal landing on the way on oh, the yeah. way home to boot. Yeah. Oh man, that's a good one. All right. Let's before since we're wasting our time talking and yapping, let's go to. Uh, let's see who's been holding the longest. Let's go to Miguel from San Francisco. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. So, um, thank you, thank you for the story. Um, my question is: so, you know, with this new law passing about uh, legalization of marijuana and everything, mm-hmm. if somebody was in treatment, and for medical purposes, they were prescribed. Marijuana, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to taking pills or something like that. What would, what is your what do you think what do you think about about that? What's your stance on that? Like, I don't think that? anything because in medical Japan? marijuana has been legal in California since 1996, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So nothing will nothing will change in terms of how we deal with that as a treatment provider. Well, I mean, but somebody that's out of treatment and, and they decided to, that that would be an alternative for them, but they don't want to risk their sobriety. What would be an alternative? That, I have been, people have broached that to me personally who were in very, very difficult situations health wise. And their concern was just what you stated. If I do this, will I be relapsing? Will I be, you know, impacting my sobriety, et cetera? And what I said to them is that rather than look at it from that perspective, look at it from this perspective. If you've tried everything under the sun and nothing has worked, But your doctor says, hey, you know what? If you want to try this, this may help. And you try this and you get some relief. Who am I or who is anyone to say don't do that in order to get relief and get some quality of life? The only caveat to that is this. And this is what I told the person or persons. 
is that if you find out that one Marinol pill or one joint or whatever the hell it is, you know, whatever the quantity is that works for you and that's all that you do and nothing more than that, that's one thing. But if you find yourself going above and beyond that, then that's a different story. Do you follow that? Yeah. So I would never personally, if someone said, I've tried everything under the sun and I'm looking at trying medical marijuana, I wouldn't say to them, oh, no, don't try that. I would never say that to somebody because who am I to, to tell them to not try something that's legal, okay, in California at least, that they're trying to regain some quality of life and it may help them. But as long as they're responsible with it. And that applies to anything because some people use narcotic pain drugs. Some people might use medical marijuana. Some people might use any, who knows? Ibuprofen. Anything, anything could be abused. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Okay. All right. My only question. Yep. All right. You're welcome. So you notice, at least for me personally, mm-hmm. I'm just speaking for myself, that the, the two people that spoke to me in regards to that were at the end of their rope. I mean, they'd spent, you know, years, you know, trying, you know, this medication, that sure, medication, sure. experimenting with this medic, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they were, and nothing worked. And they called me up and said, hey, this is the situation and blah, blah, blah. And my concern is that if I do this and then I'm realizing, I said, no, 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 no. Get that out your head. Let's, right. start, from, let's right. start from this perspective first. Who are we? I mean, one of these days, I don't know if it'll be in our lifetime, but I presume at some point they're going to remove marijuana off of, from being a schedule, schedule, schedule one drug. I mean, to equate it to, Heron, <laughs> right? <laughs> Cocaine, crack, etc. Methamphetamine. Come on. Yeah, it's not logical. That's not to say people can't get addicted, can't abuse it, blah blah blah, and have a negative impact on their life. No, we're not saying that that's not that can't happen. Of course, that can happen. Sure. Even though back in my day, if you went into treatment and someone asked you what's your drug of choice and you said marijuana, you get laughed out of the program. Right. Yeah. You don't need a bed here, my friend. <laughs> We had too many people out there on some hard stuff that uh, – not to say that marijuana – because of marijuana today, my friend. It's a different uh, ballgame. Diff- and it's interesting <laughs> because every generation, even you know, like the, the folks in the 60s would look at the folks in the 70s and say, man, this stuff is worse than what we were – you know, worse meaning stronger. Right, right, right. In the 80s, 90s, you know, blah, blah, blah. But and today – and, of course, we have nothing to compare it to because we're not smoking it. But we have to take other people's advice, and they say, oh, yeah, this stuff that they're smoking now is like crazy, 10 yeah, times right. stronger than back in the day. And I believe them just from how it smells. Sure. So we weren't connoisseurs of marijuana anyway. We, could, we couldn't afford the, you know, the top of the line <laughs> the, the, stuff. The we, top shelf stuff? You no. Know, we, <laughs> we it was called regular. Yeah. That's what it was called. So you'd go to the spot, and you'd say, you, did you want Sensimilia or did you want regular? 
Well, you know, you know, that's like go, that's like getting either high test, you know, high octane gas or regular gas. Yeah, right, you know? right. And would you like say, the filet mignon or the ground beef? We would say we want the ground <laughs> we'll beef. We'll take the ground beef. Is on special today? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. We didn't have any money. All right, let's go to um, Ariel Hello? from Palo Alto. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome so to the show. Was, huh? I said welcome I to the show. Question. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be on the show. Anyway, so my question was, um, I'm actually going to backpack on that marijuana subject because I don't think that I can smoke weed because it's a gateway drug for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, um, so that was the actual question, and you answered that with the previous caller, Miguel. But also, um, I want to know, uh, my question about um, how can you take it one day at a time with recovery? Because I've been clean 11 months now. Mm-hmm. But it's, I'm still getting um, urges to use. Have you confronted yourself on, first of all, are you 100% certain that they are urges, um, cravings versus... Cravings, yes. Cravings, so they are. Yes. So they are, in your opinion... Cravings, okay. This is the longest clean time I ever had in my life. Okay, okay. Well, what's the, what's creating or causing the craving? Um, I was recently released from jail on mm-hmm. Monday, last Monday. So, mm-hmm. the freedom, I think, or um, being released and out of custody is kind of different for me. So, I don't know, more freedom, I guess. How long were you um, locked up? For 11 months. Oh. Yeah. And that so was you, my clean time did, in there. While while you were locked up, did you have any exposure to um, um, any recovery-related things? Yes. Okay. In, All right. So I was in an in-custody program. Choices. Okay. 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 Yeah. So you got some freedom, quote unquote, and the freedom has brought back some urges because now you're left to, quote unquote, your own devices. Um, What you going to do? I'm taking it one day at a time. I'm not trying to overload my plate. What else are you going to do? Um, I'm around good people right now, clean, uh, sober environment, so that's a plus for me. Have you dug, D-U-G, dug deeper into the root of the craving? No. That's your homework. Okay. So, yes, Uh on the surface, I'm now out of jail so I'm in, I'm in control of what I do and et cetera. I'm not confined by these walls anymore, which helps control what I do and what I have access to. But now I'm free. Yeah. So the exposure is there and available to me. And now it's, I'm left to choices that I have to make. Hmm, choices, choices inside, choices outside. Interesting, interesting how that goes together. Oh, I like that. So, I never thought of yeah. that. Yeah choices 
<laughs> so your homework should be to dig deeper into the root of the craving or cravings. Okay. Because once, once you can get a clear understanding of the root of those cravings, you can then know how to counteract them. Okay. But you have to be willing to dig. Yeah, I am. Today was just a little bit rough for me, but, you know, it's going to be like that. <laughs> Some days, yes. 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 Thank right. you so much. You're very Thank welcome. Thank you. All Bye. right. Bye-bye. Even people who come from custody environment directly into a treatment environment, mm-hmm. you know, even though we're self-contained, we're not, we're not quote-unquote jail. There's no locks on our doors, no wires on our windows. You can leave whenever you want. Right. So it does require some degree of discipline. One of my two favorite things about recovery, discipline and self-control, it does require sure, some of degree of discipline and self-control to stay even despite – what you may be feeling and experiencing inside at any moment in time. Very true. So, but it's good practice. Good practice. I'm going to hit some X-Files. Angelica from Los Angeles. My friends don't know I have an addiction problem and that I am in recovery. How do I break the news to them? I think we heard this one before. And I think I had a one word on it. Just be one word answer. Just be honest. It's the best policy. Unless, and I don't think we mentioned this before, hmm. unless, and this, and this does happen sometimes, unless you feel a certain ways about yourself that you don't want to reveal to your friends and and other close ones around you that you're in recovery. And if that's the case, then that has to be looked at. I'm not saying that people have to walk around wearing recovery on their sleeves. I'm not saying that. But you should feel good about yourself that you are in the recovery process and feel good enough to Tell your friends if the subject comes up, if the conversation comes to that, that you are in recovery and allow them to feel and experience that confidence that you have about being in recovery. Let's see. Danny C. from Santa Cruz. If my Mr. Producer, did I ask this question ready? Let's hear it. I'm a, I don't know if I read this to myself just but you know, seeing the paper or if we've actually asked him on the air, so I don't want to be repeating the same question. Okay. But if my current job triggers me to use, should I find a new job or find a way to cope and push through my triggers? Speaking oh, of triggers, so we're yeah. talking about triggers today, right? No, I, I do not believe we have fielded that one okay. on the air, no. All right. Well, there it is. There you have it. I don't know. It depends. The best example of someone who is an alcoholic that goes to work as a bartender. Cheers. Cheers. Right. 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 Um, I don't know. You know me. I'm Clint Eastwood. 
I'm like, fight. Yeah, make it happen. Make, you got to you know, do what you yeah. got to do to you, make your money. You, be you, strong. You control the triggers. They don't control you. That's Give where I the, come from. The elevator. Give the elevator uh uh, yeah, there can be 16 people stuck in an elevator and all 16 of them are smoking crack and it has no bearing on what you're going to do. That's right. So the school I come from is you deal with whatever the triggers that the, dro- the job may bring up right. and you learn to cope with them and move past them. Mm-hmm. The triggers don't rule you. That's and, the way it needs to be. And or dictate what you do. Um, let's see what else we got here. Oh, here's a good one from Tanner in Tiburon, a wealthy suburb of Marin County. (laughs) Okay. Acid addictive. Really? (laughs) (laughs) That's the answer in one word right there. People still use acid? The old LSD, that, that 70s, yeah, believe it or not, the... The hippie era lives on through... In the Bay Area? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say... uh, I think the word epidemic (laughs) might be a little too strong, but there's still folks in that world who dabble in the hallucinogens. Mm -hmm. um, Now, you you do know. You do know marijuana is considered a hallucinogen. hallucinogen. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting how that's classified. Um, I know the first time I used it, I hallucinated. It's also interesting that it can be prescribed for anxiety when its main side effect is anxiety provoking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's also an interesting one. But that said, to my knowledge, I believe if folks in the area or generally speaking in this time frame uh, who are in that life are going to choose on a weekend to partake in getting a little crazier with a hallucinogen, uh, mushrooms are... I hear more of that than I do LSD these days, but okay. I suppose it's still out there. All right. Uh, one more from the X-Files before we hit the phones. Uh, Let's do it. Kamari from San Francisco. Is it okay to still hang around friends and family that still get high? Uh, one of the host's favorite questions when it comes to family. Can't pick your family. Don't have to hang around them. Well, the key word in that is hang. So we always say you don't have to go out of your way to hang around with friends that still may be indulging in the life or even family members that may indulge in the life. You probably have a harder time avoiding family members. But either way, you still have to be just in in control of yourself and responsible for yourself. And be disciplined and self-controlled. That's going to be my 2017 theme. I'm going to repeat it's that good one. all the time. It's a good one. We need it uh, backed and mounted and hung somewhere in the office or studio or hallway. Mm-hmm. You can't pick your family, so. <clears throat> and I'm not an advocate of 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 dropping, you know, close friends, historical friends. Just because, you know, you've, you've been fortunate to get yourself cleaned up and they, they're still in the life. You can be a role model for them. Um, you never know who you might, uh, whose life you might turn around just by walking your walk. You know what I'm saying? That's right. So, 
hope that answers the question. All right, let's go to the phones. We have uh, Karina from East Palo Alto. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi. How you doing? Um, Good. Well, um, I was going to talk about the triggers, what triggers me uh, to use drugs. Okay. And uh, the first thing that triggers me uh, to use drugs is feeling less. And the second one is... Wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. You said feeling less, L-E-S-S? Yes. Well, what does that mean? <clears throat> I mean, uh, when uh, somebody thinks that it's better than me. So when if someone they thinks... feel like I'm nothing. Okay, so what we're going to do today, we're just going to stick with just that one right there, that okay. one right there, feeling less. Yeah. And the way you worded it, and you said, when someone makes me feel yeah. less, okay, yes. I want you to practice stop phrasing it that way. Because when you say, when someone makes me feel, you have automatically granted your power to that someone. Okay. Okay. A yeah. better way of saying it is I feel this way so when you say I I'm taking responsibility for my feelings not you I am I feel uh, this way when you do so and so yeah you know what I'm saying yeah because how you feel has nothing to do with the other person okay but when you say well you make me feel you're just projecting your feelings onto them and what we have to stop doing is projecting and taking ownership, which brings us to our question for you, Karina. Yeah. Why do you feel less than? Oh, I feel like I'm going to cry. Um, um, sometimes I feel less because I feel like I'm not, um, I'm not like, um, Freak everybody else. Like I'm not happy. I feel like I'm. What's, like, what did you um, say first? What did you say like first? I, like I'm not happy. No, that's not what you said. What did you say first? I feel. I believe Some, you may have said like you feel like you're not like everybody else. Yeah. Okay. So you you feel different. You don't feel a part of. Yeah, it's so different. Okay. So, this is what needs to happen. Yeah. You listening? You listening? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until you yourself become okay with you yourself, yeah. what you're going to project to other people is that mm-hmm. I'm not okay with myself. And then other people aren't going to be okay with you. Okay. You have to become okay with you first, and then that's what you'll project to other people. And they have no choice but to be okay with you. You follow me? Yeah. So you have to answer, not now, something for you to think about. Why okay. is it that I don't feel okay with who I am 
What do I need to do to change that? How do I then move forward from that and project okay. something and project something different? Okay. That's what you need to focus on for the next two weeks. Just that singular thing right there. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. So I feel I feel a little bit better. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. You're welcome. Bye bye. If you don't feel good about who you are, you can't have any expectation that I'm going to feel good about who you are. Oh, right. Of course. And if you project that you don't feel that way, then I'm going to respond accordingly. So sometimes we're not aware that that's what we're, we're, that we're projecting our feelings, either through our body language or through our words and actions. And then people then treat you accordingly. Of course, until, yeah, right. You, you, until you, you know, come, Command. Into, come into some knowledge and you, right. hey, I got it. Wait a second. It's not them. It's me. It's me. Let me course. stop. Let me change what I'm doing. Let me change what I'm projecting. Let me come to an understanding of who I am, where I am, who, what I'm about. And then that will change what I project. Right. Easier said than done, but it can be done. It has to be done. You have no choice. You have to do it, but it will take work. That's right. How much time we have, sir? Oh, we've got about five minutes. Okay. Oscar from Menlo Park wants to know, how do I know if I'm an alcoholic? Is it when you find yourself on the floor? (laughs) Right, that moment. Believe it or not, I get asked this question often. Outside the realm of OCG. Really? Yes. Um, by unrelated parties. Sure. That may have uh, persons in their family group. Okay. <laughs> either far extended or extended or close. So I don't know. I don't ask. Or, or maybe. Huh, they, they, or maybe they're asking about themselves and saying, I have, a, "I have a friend." Yeah, I have. A, <laughs> or a friend of a friend. Who knows? Right. But uh, the old, um, you know, how do you know if, uh, or they'll describe the behavior and say, is this the behavior of an alcoholic? Sure. And of course, you know, look, it's if if someone's drinking daily to the point of drunkenness, I mean, what else needs to be said? Yeah, it's a safe safe bet. There's an issue there. Yeah. So. Yes. I thought. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the folks that asked you were asking about themselves and telling you, and I was going to say, if if you have to ask, <laughs> then, yeah. then the odds are, yeah, the, but, you may want to look into... But you make a great point, because even if they're asking for someone else, that still applies. Right, if yeah, sure. If you're asking, it's 99% likely that they are, because right. you're seeing something that causes you to say, wait a second. Right, this just like normal. it's ninety nine percent unlikely that you'd even think of asking about whether or not someone was, if there wasn't an issue there. Because right. why would you even ask otherwise? Right. Very good point. Very good point. Okay, 
I got another oldie but goodie. All right. Felipe from Sacramento. I'm in recovery. And it has been suggested that I not date for a year. Oh, yeah. And yet the big, it says why with the big question mark. She'd say, why not? Yeah, right. Why not? That's another one of your personal faves, but we both, yeah, we both like this one. Um, That's just dogma. Yeah, exactly. No, first and foremost, and I'm not. It's also cookie cookie cutter. Yeah, right. It's a one size fits all deal. It is dogma. It is something that you you just hear in the field over and over and over. Uh, There's no empirical research to that supports getting in a relationship equates to something. There is empirical research that states relationships and environments are the primary causes for relapse. Mm -hmm. But that speaks to your one size fits all point. Those relationships aren't qualified in that, in that statement or in in that research. So you just have to be honest with yourself. Look at your motives, look at the why is it because it's, helping you to feel or cover up feelings that you don't want to feel because you're in a vulnerable moment. I mean, you have to have a lot of honest debate with yourself, but if you're truly ready and like you've always said, you can't dictate when so-and-so is going to walk into your life, Mm -hmm. then it is what it is. You just want to make sure you are healthy enough and stable enough to be in a relationship. And that doesn't mean healthy and stable enough to receive the benefits of being in a relationship, but to give to someone else what is required on your end Mm -hmm. for that individual to get what they need out of a relationship. Remember when I talked about loneliness? Yes, indeed. And I said, I followed up with loneliness for what? And sometimes, you know, we're able to get out the answer, let's say from the guys, you know, loneliness for female companionship. Sure. Okay. And so we'll say then that's real. And I mm-hmm. feel you, okay, but don't let that drive you or be the d- dictating factor in your decision making. Right. Acknowledge that to yourself or to someone that I, you know, I feel lonely for some companionship here, sure. you know, but be aware of that so that doesn't drive the bus, so to speak. Sure. Otherwise, all, you know, proper decision making goes out the window. That's exactly <laughs> right exactly right. Well, that's a good one to end on. Relationships, holidays, the whole the whole nine. Uh, but I'm going to have to tell you, you're going to need to sign off because you're getting cut off, sir. Anything you want to say about the last song since you won't be able to talk about it after? Just um, another one of Joe's faves. Anything particular about it? I don't remember what it is. It is... Well, you've got it at least written in the caption here is Daz Daz. Oh, yeah. That's one of his favorites. Okay. That's it. So one of, one of his favorites. All right. Perfect. Well, uh, once again, great show. And we thank everybody who called in just to listen or to support in the Recovery Support Time segment. Anyone who may listen to this on the podcast version at a later point, we do appreciate. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'm sorry. But when you mentioned podcast, it reminded me that – so I – Looked in our statistics for two years, we are at the two-year point, 5,700 listens. Wow. That's big. 5,700 listens. Yeah. So that includes any live listens, any 
you know, download, and they all counted separately. And he, people download the sure. podcast. So that's never expected that. Yeah. That's, that's quite the number. And that just, again, it speaks to uh, the support that we continue to get and we're definitely grateful for it. And we appreciate everybody for it. Um, if there were no listens, either podcast or live, I'll still be talking to myself, <laughs> by the way. He might, he wouldn't need a producer, so no. he might just be talking to himself. But uh, again, that, that's really awesome, and we do appreciate I'm not it. Doing it for the lessons. We uh, we hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. We will see you all in a couple of weeks here, um, two two Thursdays from now. It's got to be sometime around the the fifteenth, maybe thirteenth. The thirteenth, perfect. Uh, so we look forward to talking to you all then. We hope everybody has a safe entry into December with all the holiday shopping and everything that takes place around this time of year. Uh, We look forward to speaking to you all in a couple of weeks. Have a great productive couple of weeks here and a great safe and fun couple of weekends.
that's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation.